Hey, welcome back to another episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. I am your host, Danger, and joining me is my co-host, Monster. I am foregoing the Breakdown Bro or whatever. So, say hi, Monster. (laughs) (laughs) What a rousing introduction. Thank you. Good morning. (laughs) Yes. So, on this episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast, we are going to be talking a Marionette's 2020 release, Sunset on This Generation. Now, Monster... What experience did you have with a marionette before we decided to talk about this album? Well, let me just start off by saying sometimes when you bring me an album to listen to, I start listening to it. My first thought is, what did I do, man? Are you mad at me about something? Like, did I do something wrong? And then there's other times where you bring me something like this and I think, oh, he does love me. (laughs) so uh full disclosure yes i am pretty familiar with the marionette they have done some crossovers with some other artists i really really like uh we'll get to one of those uh in a few minutes uh and matter of fact that particular guest artist i'm saving it make you make you wonder where i'm going with this share a drummer so that's pretty cool uh but no I, I knew the Michael Jackson covers. I had heard some other songs. They pop up on a lot of playlists. Like when I'm listening to, like I said, there's a lot of crossover between some other bands that I like. So yeah, I had never like sat down and listened to a full album before. I will say, all joking aside, giving that rousing introduction, I don't love it though. And I'll get to some of my reasoning as to why. But why did you bring this up? Why did you want to do this record? Okay, so one of the ways that I come up with what albums we're going to talk about is really it's albums that I either was a fan of at some point, I've come across, and I think that we should talk about the album to really dive into it and see if it's an album worth listening to. And I pretty much burn out anything that's worth listening to within us doing the show because we listen to the album eight, nine, ten times pretty much in a row. And yeah, (laughs) so this was one that I've done a couple of these and I'm going to do plenty more where there's a song that really jumps out to me. And it's, you know, where I found a song like Polish Club's (laughs) album, Iguana. The song Clarity was one of those where I love the song Clarity and it was like, hey, I want to talk about this album. Let's dive into this because I love this song enough. And on this album, the song Modern Disco 3 was the song that I first found. And so I was like, this if this album is anything like this song, then I'm here for it. Yeah. Boy, was I in for more of that song. <laughs> so, yeah. My my biggest criticism of this album is just it doesn't slow down. This album is an endurance test. And I actually had a, an issue with towards the end of the album where every time I listened to it, it was, I, I can't anymore. Background noise, it's great. It's great background noise. Okay, I was, I was nodding my head yes so hard that I bumped my face on the microphone. Yes, I saw this- that and I almost started laughing at you. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. So seriously, this is nonstop. Like I I want to choose my words carefully here because I don't a want to be like negative and then B, I don't want to just say the exact same thing I have written down for my closing statements. But these guys are incredibly talented. They're absolutely unreal musicians. 
the vocalist has range for days and can harmonize with himself to like perfect pitch. It's it's beautiful. It's, it's insane how well he can harmonize with himself. But the problem is, is it's they're all doing the maximum amount at all times. Yes. There's no slowdown track on this album. No, there's a couple songs where the groove is a little bit like laid back in the pocket a little more. And those actually are my favorite songs on this album. But here's my biggest complaint. And this is the thing that I struggled with the most. And maybe it's just the musician ear in me. Maybe my frequencies are messed up from so many years of playing live shows. But this is the most high-pitched album I have ever heard. You're not wrong. His vocal register is super high. Obviously, he's got that Michael Jackson tone, very high-pitched. The guitars just live on those, you know, the high three strings of the guitar. And... The only thing that like brings that down is the grooving bass, but unless you've got a good pair of headphones on, it is not prominent enough for me. And to be honest with you, listening to this album with headphones is simultaneously better and worse because yes, you can hear the bass a little bit more, but now that barrage of tinny guitar and vocals is just in your ear hole. It's Oh, yeah. I, I really, ah, God, I, it's, I really struggled because it's all there. Everything I like in music is on this album, yeah. but I just, I, it's just too much of it or something. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to put into words. It's too much all the time. And I think you were right when you were saying that they are incredible musicians, but they are all doing everything to their max all the time. And there's a few spots on a few songs where it kind of drops a bit. You know, there's a few places where the instruments will drop out. You'll have guitar and bass drop out. Mm-hmm. And you'll just have him, you know, in there doing his vocal gymnastics. And, you know, you'll have a couple times where the drums are still present. But that's really the only break you get. And it's really for just a few seconds. You know, there's a few dropouts that are great and noticeable, and I think they're noticeable because it's so much all the time. It's like at any given point, a verse, a chorus, at just at pretty much any second of this record, you've got two guitar players that are very influenced by bands like Chon and Polyphia and like to do a lot of noodly, almost genty, but there's not a lot of distortion on the guitar. So it sounds a lot, like I said, real tinny, real high pitched. You've got the bass player who is incredibly groovy doing a lot of funk bass, a lot of like slap bass. He's having a great time. And then you've got, the drummer who can't play a straight beat. He's got to do these like weird Tom fills on the like thirds and stuff. And then you've got a vocalist who has an incredible voice, but layers it six times for each track. So it's like, it's really hard to actually appreciate it because there's just so much going on at one time. Yeah, it's... Oh, and let's not forget, there's usually some sort of synth or keys or nine times out of ten, it's just high-pitched synthesizer going off in the background. And it's like, guys, like, I love what you think you're doing. Like, it's just so much. So these guys really came in and rode the wave of that retro sound 
that was you know really pumping up during this time and i know that this was really done during pandemic during lockdown and so i think the albums that we're seeing from that time are an interesting thing because if you pay attention those albums are a lot different from any other album that we're talking about you know mm-hmm. those albums are almost like without influence of outside parties it's like just the band and they're doing it and they they can't go hey you know friend who's in my car would you listen to this and see right, how it right. sounds what do you think you know it's it's all just them and so i think this was meant to be listened to more in a car or more through speakers i do not think this is meant to be listened to through headphones because the same things that you were just talking about how those high-pitched frequencies are just being pumped into your ear hole i had to stop i i couldn't do it and the songs on this album are not short they're they're lengthy songs, but I think that they all felt longer. They're not like yeah, super long yeah. songs, but I think they all felt longer because of just how they're they're done. Every song of this album is really good, but every song of this album is too much. <laughs> every song on this album, we've talked about this on previous records, shares a sonic space. Yes. There is not enough dynamics. Because here's the thing, you can speed up a song, you can slow down a song, you can play it in a different key. But if you are constantly using the same guitar tone, the same styles of rhythm, the same vocal melodies, it it just becomes same, 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 same. And so even when you do make slight tweaks and variations, it it sounds like the same song. And, And that's one of the things that's, again, two or three songs on this album stick out to me. And those are the ones that I feel like don't sound like the other ones. They all do sound the same. They, they really do. Now, uh, like I said at the beginning, I did listen to some of their other albums before, and I get what you're saying about the quarantine thing. And I hadn't given that a lot of thought, but you're right. A lot of albums came out during that time. And I'm sure the amount of influence around those is very slim compared to their normal way of writing. Um, but I've heard other albums by these guys and this is pretty much the vibe. Like I want to say they all not, you know, a gross sweeping accusation here, but they all sort of vibe like this. Yeah. I haven't really listened to much of a marionette outside of this, except for, so on this album, you've got uh, you've got sequels, <laughs> and I think it's interesting when you get sequels of songs. So you have Modern Disco t- three, and so I went back and I listened to. I think I was only able to find like Modern Disco one, and then there was no Modern Disco two, and then I think two. is there? I okay, I, I may have listened to it. I kind of got lost in and tried to find these it, things. Okay, so here's another thing. But before you say the next part, getting lost in it. Okay. This to me sounds like a really young band with a whole lot of talent and energy, and they just want to kind of show it off and and flaunt it. But the thing is, is they've been putting records out now for a while. Like, I want to say their first album came out like 2015, 2017, like a relatively new band. They are relatively young. You can tell just by looking at their pictures and music videos. Yeah. But this sounds like from a technical standpoint mature but from an actual songwriting product on the record 
kind of immature. Does that make sense? No, it it does. It it definitely does. Jeez, I'm just scrolling down through their their. Uh, yeah, they they've been around yeah. and put out a lot of stuff. Their first thing they put out was an EP called Chapters in 2011. It only had four songs on it. Okay. Okay, so so by you know ten plus years, I feel like you should have started to maybe tweak this a little bit. You should have and, honed your sound a little bit more. And here's the thing: his vocal. Their first full length album was 2015. It was only ten okay, songs, okay. and that's where. And on this album, we have "Screaming a Serious Business" part three. "Screaming <laughs> Screaming a Serious Business" part two is on their first album. <laughs> I don't. It, I can't even math. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a fun thing to have sequels to songs. No, that's cute. I like that. I really do. I, again, there's a lot of stuff I do like about this band and this album. It's just, I think I realize now why I had never sat down and made it through an entire album before. Yeah. Because it it is tiresome. It really is. Like it's, and maybe it's the old man in me. Maybe I'm, you know, old man yells at clouds, but like, <laughs> For me, it just it just feels like too much. Like, calm down, kids. <laughs> yeah. So, and actually, scrolling through this, uh, we do have a guest on this album that was actually a previous album that we did, and he actually was on a couple songs they did before this album, which I didn't yes. realize that. That's part of the reason I knew who these guys were. I knew the right. Michael Jackson cover. I had heard a couple other things pop up, but they've done some songs with Kurt Travis, who's another guy that uh, we'll, we'll talk about him on an episode at some point. And, I believe uh, he's on this album, isn't he? Not this one. Yeah. There is another. He is on this album. Kurt so, Travis is this one? Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, but I'm still saving the other one for later. All right. All right. That's, that's fine. So, I think we both kind of agree, great album, but not in full length because it's just, it's too much. Not full length to concentrate on, let's put it that way. Cause, and, and, here's, and, and the yeah. worst part is, is like, especially for me, it's like everything that I like, but then they just don't. I, it's almost like going to a high dive competition and watching somebody jump off the board do these incredible moves, but then like they just keep doing the moves. Like they never hit the water. <laughs> so you're like, when does it stop? Like, this is great, but you, you're got. And then when you're like getting ready to walk out the door, cause you're over it, they belly flop. I don't know. Like it's, it's majestic and it's captivating, but I also don't want to listen to it. <laughs> well, well, they hit the water after 38 minutes and 46 seconds because that's how yeah. long this album is. And quite frankly, this album, and you know, kind of said it before where the songs feel a lot longer than they actually are because of how they're doing everything that they can do all the time on every song with no let up at all. The album feels like an hour long album. It, it, it does. does. And I hate that because I'm I'm with you. The things I like are in this this album. There are in this song are in the songs on this album. It's all here. But it's all here all the time. Yeah. So, you know, like I I want to interlude. I don't know. It, 13 tracks on this album. 13 tracks is already a like getting to be a long album. Well, you mentioned earlier that their first album was 10 tracks, and I feel like there was, there's 
I don't know. There's a handful on here that I feel like are not as good as the other handful. Like, I feel like there is a few that just, they're a little hookier. They've got a little better vibe. And there's a couple that just feel a little meh. And I'm wondering, cut the meh. You get 10 songs. Maybe I don't feel so worn out by the end of it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, this, to me, this is a very uh, top heavy album. And I think that might be because of, the fatigue that set in at some point and i agree i I even tried to like several times i tried to just go back and start at like track five track six and i still felt the same thing come on and so that's where i kind of wonder is it just more of a top heavy album or is it just that i felt that way overall i i I think i think both i think the first half is a little bit better than the second half but I also think you're just getting your ears are just getting tired. Yeah. Because it's it's the same as when we listen to like um Closure in Moscow or Living Sacrifice or I Wrestled a Bear once. Like there's when you get barraged for so long, if you don't throw in melodic moments, if you don't throw in some dynamics, ear fatigue will set in. Well, and- Living Sacrifice gave us that um great repetitive acoustic track yeah well they tried they threw in some dynamics even if they didn't necessarily stick the landing on theirs they were at least in there you know there was it was an effort and that shows a level of maturity that maybe these guys just just don't have yet um they're still young they're extremely talented. I think the only thing separating them from a little bit more mainstream success is they got to, they got to calm down a little bit. They got to just lay in the pocket a little bit more. Not every song has to have Chon style guitar licks. Not every song has to have 12 vocal layers, like simplify this a little bit, slow it down a little bit. And I mean, why why not be on pop radio? I mean, seriously. Yeah, right. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Track yeah. one, Sunset on This Generation. Michael Jackson was still alive today and decided he wanted to start an emo band. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, it's you're you're, you're not wrong. Um, so okay, <laughs> this album came out in 2020, and what I was talking about how the band rode the wave of the retro sound that was coming in. So I think a band that really pushed that was Emerosa. And I think they really started pushing that on their 2014 album versus more on their 2016 album, 131. And then 2019, Peach Club was just all in. And then this album came out in 2020, recorded 2019, I guess. I don't know. I didn't do any research on when these guys got together, how old they are, when this album was recorded, except for I know it was recorded in uh, in like in quarantine and lockdown during the pandemic. And so I think that it was just that, that, you know, that synth heavy retro wave was just 
coming in full yeah. force and you can't be a band in this scene without being a fan of Emerosa. I mean, they're sure. yeah. yeah. So I think that that's kind of just what they did as they went into the studio and sat down and said, all right, we've got this great idea for a set of songs. We really like the last couple of things Emerosa's done. So we're going to write a banger ish opener. that's <laughs> going yeah. to, you know, that's essentially going to give you everything you're about to hear because it, you know, leads right into the rest of it. You know, it sets yeah. you up for it. You know, it's- and, and so especially first time through, I dug this song a lot. Oh, I yeah. thought, yeah, I, I love, I love the vocals. Uh, you know, that high pitched pop vocal is, you know, I love that, especially mixed with the heavy music. This music's not heavy. It's very thin and very tinny. Um, right. But it, it fits in with your heavy stuff, but it, it doesn't. Sort of like, does. it, yeah. But it can it, like live in other places as well. So there's a difference between being heavy and being like driving. And this feels True. very yeah. like, you okay. know, it's got momentum, even yeah. if it's not quote unquote heavy, especially before listening to it over and over and over. First time in, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is funky. This is cool. I'm, I'm in. Uh, fourth time around. <laughs> Yeah, then I was less in. Then yeah. I was I was less into it, yes. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, kind of speaks to me about the albums that we're choosing to do for this show is am I still as much of a fan of a track the fourth, fifth time around? And right. and like what I got on this one is kind of what I was saying in the beginning that I had trouble sitting down and listening to this album. Like I actually had trouble putting together notes for this because it was like, I'd sit down and put on sunset on this generation and go, all right, here we go again. All right, let's do it. And it was almost like I had to like pump myself up for it. It's a great song, but it doesn't hold every time I want to listen to it. I think this is a track. I think this is an album of singles. (laughs) Like just throw one song on a playlist here or there. Okay. That's another common trend amongst bands right now is they don't think in terms of albums. See, we're old. We okay. we still think of an album. Like I remember, uh, not to get way off topic, but there's a band I like called Hot Milk. And Hot Milk released. It's a great a, band. They, they are, but I liked them better before because I, basically they just released a whole bunch of songs. They didn't have an album. They just were releasing songs and then they might put out like a four song EP or something. But then they finally released a full length album and it, it, it didn't feel any different to me. Like it didn't feel like a cohesive record. It just felt like a couple more songs that they wrote and slapped together. And a lot of artists like modern artists that I do like won't put out an album. And, and it's like, that's not important anymore. And for me, and I think you too, which is why we're doing this, the whole idea of a full-bodied album that represents a piece of art, a piece of time, motions, whatever, it's a coherent thing. But a lot of the bands today don't think that way. They think, we've got 20 songs, these are the best 12, this is our album. There's no cohesion in it. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Let's jump into track two, Golden Without You. Artificial 
legitimately like this one. I am going to 100% agree with you. And this may be an out, uh, an episode of just going, we like this one, we don't like this one. It might <laughs> but, be, it might be, we'll see. But I feel like this should have been the opener to the album, because this is a much better song than the first song. The riffs on this uh, on this track are on point. Just, they're killer. The the riffs are good. Uh, the bass, again, is just stellar. The bass player is probably my favorite part. I just wish he was a little more prominent in the mix. I do, um, too. I'm going to agree with you there that I didn't feel the bass a lot during this album. Yeah, and, There's and just when, a few spots where it comes up. Yeah, and when you have a very obvious influence of Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind & Fire, the Gap Band, like when you actually have that like on your sleeve, like clearly shown and you don't have the bass like thumping in the mix, I, I feel like you're missing a, a golden opportunity to really set yourself apart from the rest of the pack. So what I think is funny is that the, the disco of the 70s is it's kind of making a resurgence now, but it's always been around because Dave Grohl drumming in Nirvana was doing the Gap Band. Sure, I mean, sure, you know, right. So it's always been present, and so I feel like there's been a little part of of our entire lives that it's like there's a little disco in everything that we like. Pretty much, <laughs> so, pretty know. much, and it's and you know, especially for all the disco sucks talk in the '80s and '90s. It's like, yeah. But there's a reason it was so popular. Right. Um, and you wouldn't have what you have now without it. Because there's a couple of songs that we'll get to a little bit later that uh, obviously the lead singer sounds a lot like Michael Jackson. You can't, oh, yeah. you can't avoid that. Um, but there's one or two songs that actually really pull from specifically like off the wall 70s era Michael Jackson. And I think it's interesting that that's, you know. And something I'll say for for his vocals, and I think it was on this song is actually where I noticed it. He's got his breathing down for a vocalist, yeah. and, which makes me think that he was maybe a theater kid in high school and did musicals because, you know, on a lot of tracks and stuff that we hear with a singer that has this sort of, you know, range and can get big and get down here, who has control within it you almost hear them get tied within it or you hear that <laughs> at the end of, of lines that I hate will drive me nuts. You don't hear any of that on here. And I don't feel like his vocals are digitally enhanced except for where he's harmonizing with himself because, you know, obviously multi-layering that. But I don't feel like it's, you know, a copy and paste, pick the best track. Your face tells me that you disagree. Well, well, I agree with pretty much everything you said, but I wanted to just back up to the very beginning about uh, theater kids. Did you watch any of their music videos? No. They are all theater kids. Okay. They are all nerdy, dorky, lovable losers. Oh, I mean, I just saw pictures of them. It adds to the charm. It adds to the charm for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, they're theater kids. Um, I can get down with that. Last thing I'll say about Golden Without You, I, I got some issues vibes on it, and I think that's why I liked it so much. His, his voice, there was a couple parts in the verses where the melody struck me a little bit Tyler Carter-esque, which I, you know, so that that's another reason this song worked for me. Yeah. I, I like this a lot. There, There's quite a few spots on this album where I got 
uh, issues, flavors. A little bit, yeah. And I you, was cool with that. Definitely. So let's talk Trek they're, they're 3. They're all in the same, yeah. same kind of... They same, could go yeah. on tour together if Tyler Carter was still with them. And, yeah, but... Uh, uh, all right, Trek 3, counterfeits. <laughs> Nope. nope. This one like filler. Didn't care for it. So the only thing that I really picked up on this one was this. I felt like was uh, the lead singer's name is Barry. I felt like this was a place for Barry to show off his vocals a little bit more because he showed that he could speed up his vocals and slow them down and keep the pace with the band. And I really felt like that's all it was. It was a fine song at best filler. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Well, and and again, this is another example of there might be a good song in there, but the guitars never stop noodling long enough to like no. get into some kind of a groove. It's almost now, like the songs don't stop long enough for me to hear the song. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Like there's a verse, there's a chorus, there's a bridge, but it it's all so intense at all times that it this is another one of those albums that would be interesting to hear uh, instrumental because as much as I like his voice, I wonder if you could, if you could just pick out the instruments a little bit clearer. I don't know. I don't know if that would make a difference or not because his voice is one of the things that I really do enjoy. I, I don't know. It just, it felt to their credit. This is a short song. Like I got the impression that they were like, Hey, we got these cool guitar licks. We got this cool vibe. Let's run it for two and a half minutes and just call it a day. Like, yeah, the, you know, yeah, but you can't be mad about that. I mean, at two minutes, 22 seconds, it's fine. This, yeah. this is one of the ones that really felt longer. It did. It didn't feel like two twenty two. I see that that's the time on it, but I don't believe it. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, so let's talk track four, Modern Disco 3. This was the song that was yeah. the reason why I brought this album here. Well, so. and I understand that you have two part threes on this album, but it's weird that track four is modern disco three. Like, I, I agree. I agree. They could have some like Coheed and Cambria nonsense now. <laughs> they they could have put it on any other track besides four. <laughs> they should have put it uh, at three. <laughs> but you know, if if this was the one I heard, I would have been interested to hear more too, for yeah. sure. Because this is one that I thought, especially the baseline, huge off the wall era Michael Jackson. It's, it's got this incredibly funky disco bass line. The guitar chord progression makes it a little more modern sounding, which makes sense because they're calling it modern disco. And right. It's the third time they've done it, so they're pretty good at it by now. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they haven't gotten it down by now, they're not going to. <laughs> but again, it's it's the same. It, it suffers the same problems. I like the groove. <laughs> I like the vocals. Limits, I don't need another 
I like it, but it's just so busy that you're just pummeled over the head the entire duration of the song that it's it's hard to just like this is the kind of music you should be able to like dance to and you can't it's just too much you know yeah so i do really like the intro on this because it kind of you know because this is the song that i first heard i'm a little more partial to this song sure but i do like the intro on this and I do like the the outro on this, the the beginning and the end on this. It's actually one of the few times on this album that I felt like both were done really well. I felt like a lot of these, they mm. didn't really know how to end the song. And so they kind of just ended the song. But it's yeah. like this one just kind of felt better i don't know gotcha you know this one all around is is a great one to me my only criticism of this one and overall on the album is i wish they had almost pulled the guitar back in the mix a little bit and pushed the the bass up a little bit in the mix like just just swap those a little bit every song i feel like both of these guitar players are so talented that it's offensive. Like I, I can't do half the stuff that they're doing. Okay. And I've been playing guitar for probably longer than they've been alive. So part of it is I'm just jealous, but also guys, you're going to have carpal tunnel syndrome and arthritis by the time you hit 35, because you never stop moving your fingers. Like play some chords, play, play a couple of chords, do some jazzy stuff, slow it down a little bit. Like that's my only criticism to your point about the mix. If they weren't so busy and the bass was a little bit louder, that fatigue we're talking about would not happen as, as much. Right. Maybe if both guitars weren't doing as much as they were and one guitar still was, but then the other guitar just kept rhythm, <laughs> just simplified it a little bit. I don't know. I love modern disco three. I don't love it as much as I did before listening to this album as many times as I have now, but right. you know, it's all good. So let's five or no, not let's five. Sorry. <laughs> Number five. Let's go. The Yeah, I like this one. It's just memorable hooks and pop structures for and a pop structure of a song. Like it's just it's a straightforward, just good song. I I don't think this is a standout for this album, but I definitely don't think it was filler. It's just a straightforward good song. Yeah, uh, you know, give credit where credit is due. I will. This one, this one has the same kind of formula as the rest of the song. Yeah. There's this little section where he does this, the vocals do this breathe in, breathe out line. And when he does, the music like pulls back and it gets kind of like atmospheric and airy for a second. And it, it you kind of like breathe for a second before it jumps back into the, the chaos. It, I think that's smart. And I think that's why this song stands out a little bit. So that's one of the things that I took note of on this one is where the entire album just goes and runs and where i was talking before about how we don't have a slowdown 
we get just moments to breathe within a song. And I feel like that's one of the few times that it happens on this album. Right. So it's just a straightforward, good song with a moment to breathe. And that's more or less it. I, I don't know. I, I kind of had trouble with putting together some of the details on these because it's a lot of the same stuff on a lot of them. It really is. It really is. And it's unlike some albums, like again, bringing up like issues or sleep token or somebody like that. That's sort of like the, in my mind, sort of the more mature version of kind of what these guys are shooting for. Yes. All the songs have a lot of the same pieces, but the songs sound diverse. Right. Whereas this all gets very samey really fast. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, Really, it, it might be just their immaturity within within their growth. I don't know how their newer stuff sounds. Maybe it sounds this, but crafted a little bit more and honed in a little bit more. And I mean, maybe it does. I'm gonna give another one of their albums a listen after this. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be well, to, to give it? another one up. Now, with all that being said, track six, throwing rocks. Andreas. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. So let me tell you what happened. I was sitting here. I had Spotify playing in the background. I had, you know, doing some work. And as soon as the song started, I was like, okay, we're a little bit more mid tempo now. I yes. like that better. The guitar's chimey, pretty. It's not as busy. And then all of a sudden, that glorious angel opens his mouth. And I knew within seconds who that was singing. And I got chills. I was like, oh, that's my boy. Like, I got so excited. Favorite song on the album. And partially because of Andreas, his I think his vocal performance is stellar as always. But I also think this song has a much more mature feel to it. So I think we actually saw something happen here that we've actually talked about a little bit previously. Um, I know we talked about it on the Broken View album that we did. So when bands have a guest come in, it's almost like the band tightens their belts a little bit and stands up a bit taller and like, okay, guys, we got to really play it and do it right this time around. And so I felt like this one musically was was a, a lot better because it was more mid-tempo like you were talking about. I do think we get a, a great little solo halfway through the song. That solo is is super technical, but it's super tasteful. They weren't doing a lot of that in some of the other songs. Right. Like, it's almost like this song came along and Andreas came to the studio and they they got serious. Not to say they're not serious about the rest of the album, but it's like this this song was a bit better overall. And this is the part where I'm going to hurt your feelings, except for the part where Andreas sings. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't disagree with you more. I thought his melody was was good i thought his vocal tone was a welcome change from all the high-pitched singing that would you say his name was barry barry i almost called him benny well you know barry benny what's the difference it's fine 
It's Barry. Don't don't do that because now you're going to confuse me. Barry. I think Barry's a great vocalist. I think Andreas is a better vocalist. And I think that that made the song just even better. So I think Andreas is a good vocalist, but within a certain certain pocket, certain area, certain range. And Barry, yeah. Barry's, yeah, this is it. Barry, Barry's got it all. Yeah, Barry's got the range for days. I think Andreas would have been better served here not in a lead position, not taking the driver's seat. I just, I, I think it would have been better for him to kind of be more of like an accent of things because this is a, the, the harmonizations on this song are fantastic. I love it. Just Andreas doesn't really fit here. But I think what Andreas did when he came to the studio and made the rest of the band play a little bit different, I think was a great move on this album at track six. I, I just, I mean... Some of the things you said make perfect sense. Some of the things you said are so incorrect. I don't even know how to, how to express myself. I agree. This song is better and it might have something to do with his input. It might've just been a song they wrote and sent him the track when it was done. I don't know. But what I do know is I'm not going to sit here and let you disrespect my boy anymore. I love his voice. No, it's always I, I, welcome. I think and Andreas I, is fine. Right. I think Andreas is fine. I don't think he needed to be in the driver's seat on this one. Best song on the album, No Notes. Great song. Moving on. All right, we're going to move on to track seven, <laughs> Amnesia, featuring Kurt Travis. know he was on this song and that yes. bums me out because i really like kurt travis i'm not i'm not super familiar with him like i am andreas but he did a side project i guess with one of the guitar players from chan it's called gold necklace highly highly recommended i heard it, gold necklace i didn't realize That's oh god it's so good it's kind of it's kind of like this but like way smoother and more chill it's got this great, like, that you can dance to. Anyway, I digress. I don't like this song. And and whatever Kurt's doing is not enough. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. This one didn't, didn't really work for me. And, and possibly because it's coming after Throwing Rocks, which I just adored. I thought it was the best song on the record. So coming right out of that into this, I was just disappointed. So on this one, the choruses are the best part. The verses don't really stand out. They're not memorable at all. Oh, but this one. Oh, but this is the one. Yeah. Okay. There is this weird, like high pitched, like synth that goes up throughout the song. Like, I think it's in the choruses that, oh God, this one. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. Don't so, like that. So the, the speed of the song, there's a dropout that happens at 144. And it's noticeable because of the speed of the song. And it's like this, like one of the places where this is dropout. I think it's just the drums are left, the drums and his vocals. And -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then after the dropout, it's like the song kind of goes into like this, like, 90s R&B up to the bridge 
and the bridge is still good, but then it goes back to what I didn't like in the verses before. Right. So it's like from that dropout to the bridge, like to the end of the bridge, I really like this song. Like the choruses are fine, but like none of it really was the, like if they had just done that, like little nineties R and B thing where, yeah. you know, it, it did go a little bit more mid tempo. It was a it was a lot better of a groove than the rest of it. But I think it was also in that little section before the bridge, the bass got turned up. And I think that's where I noticed it. It was like, that makes a big difference here. I wish they would do that on more. Yeah, I do too. So I don't think amnesia is a bad song. I just think amnesia is a misguided song. (laughs) I, I think honestly, I, and I didn't start, in the middle of the album, like you had mentioned, which was probably, I probably should have, but I think it's just, I was riding such a high off of the surprise Andreas track that every time I got to this one, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Like it did, it did not grab me. See, I actually went back several times and like started the album at different points to try yeah. like and i don't want to say that i listened to it and then let it loop back around and got a feel for what like a different track placement would have been for it but mm-hmm. i don't know the only thing i'm going to say for the track placement is what i said before about i feel like number two should have been the opener because it's a better song it is i i, I agree with that so let's talk about track eight addiction math rock guitar open <laughs> just yeah. pure math rock yeah that that genty math rock crazy noodle at the beginning is really cool and it definitely gets your attention after a subpar out of track from before it but then it just kind of goes into the same. yeah yeah it's it's the the verses are a hodgepodge of like Busy toms, high pitched guitar noodling, little off rhythm bass, but there's no groove. There's no fun to this one. Like, especially with the way it kicks in, you're expecting this one to at least, I mean, yeah, it's going to be like chaotic noodling like every other song, but you expect it to be pretty high energy, but it, it sort of cuts the legs out from under it after the intro. I think it was on uh, Closure in Moscow. I think it was Night at the Spleen. I may be wrong about that, but. I'm going to put this sound clip in, but it was like, it comes in, the song started with this like crazy, like electric guitar, just, you know, like electrifying guitar. Let's put it that way. Like, it's just this like crazy, like noodling. And then like, and then it kind of dropped down a little bit and then his vocals came right back up, but it didn't come up into like the same thing, but it didn't like, you weren't disappointed by what happened there here. Right. It was the crazy noodling into the same things that we have heard before. There is this great little dropout that happens at 111. Okay. But it stuck out because it was so different from the rest of it. And it was almost like a little speed bump in it. But mm. I, I was good with it. I, I liked it. I don't know. It It's really sad that at track eight, I was going... I've heard what these guys are now. Right. I've heard what this is. 
So then we get track nine, forgot about Sadre. Which I appreciate that title. <laughs> yeah, that's a very emo band title. Yes. Uh, and I like this one. I, yeah. I, I enjoyed this one more. Correct me if I'm wrong. And it may have just been the forgot about Dre that was influencing my, my brain there. Exactly. They forgot about Dre. So what do you say to somebody you hate? What? Or anyone trying to bring trouble your way? One of his off things in the blood of your way? Just no. starting your tape. But did this one have a little bit more of a hip hop flavor to his vocals? Yes. Okay. Yes, I thought so too. The the verses are a little bit more. See, this is this is a little bit kind of what I was saying. This one's a little smoother. Like his vocals are delivered with this kind of confidence and swagger that he doesn't really show when he's going really fast, really high pitched. You know, and so especially then when the chorus kicks in. Here's another smart songwriting tip: if you've got a good chorus, get to it quickly. Yes. Yes, verses are important, but the chorus, there's a reason they call it the hook, because the hook brings you back. Because the hook brings you back. And this has a great chorus. I think the chorus of this song is very catchy. Yeah, this one, this is another one of my probably top four or five on the album. And there's a great little, a great little thing they do with the vocals that I really wish they did more. And it happens right before the chorus kicks in. They're at 28 seconds. He does where he carries his, yep, you know, yep. into the falsetto, and it's almost like they pulled the vocals within that carry into the back of the mix. And like, that's how they like, that's how he ended the, like the whatever, you know, where he carried it out. And I yeah. really like that. And it stuck out to me and I had to go back and, and listen to it a couple of times to make sure I heard that right. But it's a great move on the sound engineer's part. And if I haven't been complimenting the bass player enough, let me just say there's this section in the bridge where the bass line is super weird. Like it sounds simple, but he's playing these notes that color the entire song, like the entire like base of the music. It's incredible. Like it has such a clump, like this cool vibe about it. Again, I think he's my favorite part, even as, more of a guitar player. I do like genty, crazy noodling guitar, but on this album, it's it, the bass player is is what I'm. The bass grabbing. player stands out for sure. I just yeah. wish he had been a little bit bigger in the mix. So, Same. and this one is where I realize, like I, I mean, I got that the drums, you know, do the drum thing that they do, but. This one, the drums just show that they have no chill. <laughs> no. At all. No. That's, again, it's like everybody in this band is so talented at their instrument that they just can't resist showing you at all times. Right. It's like there is no straight drum beat. 
there is no straight four, five, six chord progression. It has to be as bombastic and chaotic at all times. And so even when the music does lay back and chill a little, okay, now the drums are going to go nuts. Like, right. <laughs> and so there was something I noticed in this song. If you go back and you listen to to this one, the the background vocals have to be programmed on a keyboard and somebody is playing the keyboard where each word is a different key because it's like the way the background vocals are going, I don't think is humanly possible. <laughs> it it doesn't make sense the way they're, they're there. I don't hate it, but yeah. it was definitely a like, what are, what, what is that? Why, why is that? Like the notes don't carry. It's like the, like they'll just be there and then gone and it's fine. It, it's fine. It was an interesting move. Now, it, it, what's interesting too is uh, I mentioned one or two parts in the uh, earlier songs where there's like these high pitched synth noises and stuff. There is some synth and extra keys in production in the first handful of songs, but I feel like for the next, like the last section of the album, they lean pretty heavy into some of that. And it's almost like, guys, we're already getting tired from just the nonstop noodling and weird tempos and everything else. Now we're going to add extra synth and sound effects like boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree with actually what you said in the beginning that I don't think that this was written as an album. I think this was just a collection of songs that they put out. It is. Yeah, it really is because at number 10, we get a very appropriately like titled song. Track 10, Traumatize. Because if you haven't been beaten over the head enough, <laughs> here you go. So, yeah, I, I don't, this one for me, it starts off real pretty. Yeah, it's kind of now what I will say, there's a little dynamic shift in the verse. The second half of the verses, the bass changes to this real funky bass line. I a little like slap bass. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. But again, turn it up like that yeah. should be the prominent feature here, not in the background. But again, during the chorus, there's this digital thing. I don't know if it's an effect on his voice. If it's another voice that they're sampling, like you said, get a voice sample, play it on a keyboard. You can do some weird stuff, but I hear it in this one and drives me nuts. Like it's just too much. So I think what you're talking about is like the harmonies on this were really channeling yeah. that Emerosa that I was talking about. And this is where yeah. I really felt it. It, it just, yeah. it, especially Peach Club. Yeah, kind of. But there's there's a digital voice that's doing this like, ha like in the backgrounds that is just, again, it's just like layer upon layer upon layer of stuff. It's like, oh, no, at what I, point do we say there's enough stuff? <laughs> I know what you're saying. And actually, it's it's that that I'm talking about that's channeling Amorosa, yeah. but they're just channeling it. They're not doing it. <laughs> they're, right. They're right. not doing it well. You know, Amorosa did it great. They're just kind of trying to do it. Yeah. 
So, and it's almost like they were trying to do it and this was their first go at it. And they said, that's good enough. <laughs> now, let me just tell you, here we are. Track 11. Yep. Right. Before I say the name of the song, let me just say that I know these guys did a Michael Jackson cover. I know these guys have done other covers. I know that there's a little bit of funk and R&B mixed in with their music. So when I saw track 11 called Poison. Bell Biv DeVoe. <laughs> I knew I was getting a Bell Biv DeVoe cover and I was in. I was ready for it. That girl is Boy, was I disappointed. Yes, you were. And I had the same thought. I, I was sure this was going to be a cover. And I thought it was going to be a fun mix up for things because I can't imagine how you would do Bell Biv DeVoe Poison in the way they've done everything else. I think it'd be a fun one. I think they would do a great fun cover of it. Have Have you heard their cover of PYT by yeah. Michael Jackson? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I love that. Like I thought that was really good. And so instead of getting a great cover of poison, like we got a great cover of PYT, Mm -hmm. We get where I just start checking out. Like, uh, I, like I started checking out before this, but it, this is where I was like, I, the song comes in at the top, like top of everything. Like it just starts. And I'm like, okay, cool. I went back and I, I started here at this one several times. I'm going to say three times to, to just, you know, I, maybe yeah. i can't remember because as soon as it started i was like eh. <laughs> i i, just, I, I do i do kind of remember the bass mixed better on this one i remember it feeling a little heavier yeah which which is good but yeah overall it it just doesn't i don't know it just sounds more the same yeah same same yeah. same yeah yeah so all right not bell biv devoe <laughs> all right Track 12, we're going to go with our our uh, our next sequel on here. So track 12, Screaming is Serious Business track, or, sorry, Screaming is Serious Business 3 featuring Joey Holiday. Nightmare in the mirror, can't see you any longer, hold your breath till your chest stops. Heart drop, insanity, ain't a remedy, so quick crying out now. I'll be laughing out loud like I said I would and I know I shouldn't, I can't help it. Do you know who Joey Holiday is? That one I am unfamiliar with. I, I, I feel like I don't know who Joey Holiday is. I feel like if I know who Andreas and Kurt Travis is, I should know who that is, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I had checked out at this point. This is an endurance test. <sighs> okay, so I like the groove at the beginning, but damn, that is a high pitch guitar. Holy's from the top now, one cop down. Everybody, anybody, hear me out. Like, it is a high pitch guitar. Why I, does everything have to be played on 12 frets or higher? Like, it's just, oh, and it, 
I don't know. There's something with my ears. Like those, that key, that register is not comfortable in my ears for very long. <laughs> no, that's that's called uh, that that's damage. That that's called hearing damage that that yeah. you and I both have done, and maybe that's why we had trouble with that. Maybe that, that maybe pitch. I should let I, I should know. let my uh, my four year old with perfect hearing listen to it and see what she thinks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll let one of the girls listen to it, and you know. They've they've got perfect pitch, so or one of there them does. Go. The other the other one sounds like a congested brick when she sings. But you know. Now I will say I will say, if I can get past the high pitch tinniness of those guitars, I like a lot of this song. I like that there's this like almost eight bit Nintendo sound to the mix, like mixed in during certain parts. The bass is still groovy. I, I like his vocal delivery a little bit more on this one too. I, I don't just again, it doesn't do anything outstanding or super different, you know. So a long time ago, I heard a uh, interview with David Bowie, and he was talking about how when they first got a synth in the studio, and they were just playing with it and just experimenting with it and trying to see what they could make happen with it. He said, "We just played with it until we could make it fart," and. On this track, I hear fart synth in the background, like the whole time, just fart synth. And, and once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. Do you hope it's synth? Yeah. Like I even heard it just in the background while I was doing stuff. And it was just all I could hear at that point. And it's not even that big in the mix, but it's just, it's there. And it's like, that's uncomfortable and I don't like it. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the album closer track 13. Luminescent Nights. So I I think this was a good closer. I feel like this was actually one of the few songs that was written with a placement on the album. I felt like this was written as a closer. It had a lot more atmospheric sounds instead of just the chaoticness that we've heard this whole time. And yeah. I feel like it's layered really well over Barry's vocals. I don't feel like Barry's vocals are in the foreground the entire time like they have been for this entire yeah. album. And I actually felt like Barry kind of took a backseat to the rest of the band and allowed the band to kind of jam a little bit. We get a great instrumental section on this track. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say that guitar part around two minutes is is really good. And I agree with you. There's a lot of that 80s synth vibe. It's not overly obnoxious. It just sort of, like you said, is atmospheric. It kind of creates a mood. I agree with you that it's a good closer. It's not one of my favorites on the album, but no. I think it does kind of chill out a little bit, which which is a good way to go out. So I feel like if they had done this sort of a track earlier in the album, it wouldn't have felt as draining of an experience. Right. It really was not a super long song. I mean, it's actually, it's, it's only two minutes and 53 seconds. It's actually, it's not one of the shortest tracks here. I was going to say it's actually one of the shorter tracks here, but it's not one of the shorter. It's not one of the longer. It's kind of like middle of the yeah. road. And two minutes and 53 seconds is fine for a song. But even at that, it still felt longer than 253. 
it still felt like a long a long track yeah. i do like i do like barry's vocal thing that kind of goes the song goes out on I thought that was pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it does eventually end <laughs> on on Barry harmonizing several times with himself. Yeah. And I think that that ended really well. For I think that was a great closer for this song. So I think it's really sad that track three was a track that we were like, there's different things here. Or track 13, sorry. Track 13, yeah. it's like, oh, there's different things here when there's been so much of the same on the rest of the album and we yeah. so they've shown that they can mix it up they can do things different and do them well but why aren't they doing more of that and maybe they do it more on more recent releases than this but well yeah. one thing i will say and and this is just unfortunately the name of the game i do think and and again excuse my ignorance i could be way off on this i'm just grasping at straws here I have a feeling that this is probably a self-released album or they are on a fairly small indie label. They probably don't have money to to do like a get a big budget producer engineer on the record. I think that's what this is lacking. This is lacking somebody sitting there going, "All right, this part's cool, but when you do this, let's try this instead." I think that would make for a maybe that's not what they want. Maybe they don't want mainstream success. They want to be this crazy disco rock jazz gent band. Maybe that's what they want to be. And if so, more power to you. You guys are incredibly talented. And you're but, doing exactly what you want. So Right. You know. But for me, I if I'm a, a record label exec, if I'm a producer, I'm hearing this and I'm seeing dollar signs. These guys have every single element to be a huge hit. They just need some direction and some guidance. And hey, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. You know, it's just right. You know, it's just it what goes. it is. Right. I can say though that if I were to ever see these guys live. About halfway through their set, I'd probably just find my way to the bar and hang out because I feel like this would be an exhausting thing to watch. Agreed. I, I was going to say the same thing. I feel like, you know, we talk about bands being better live or better on albums or whatever. Yeah, I just feel like inevitably, too, when you are this complex and technical in your playing, especially live especially if you've got some energy and you're going to be bouncing around and jumping around a little bit they're young enough to have energy so i can't i can't imagine that it's the tightest show you're ever going to see you know yeah. i will say the drummer is gnarly i saw him with andreas and he is incredibly talented but i don't know i agree with you i don't i don't know that i would be in love with a 45 minute set you know so i think that they would be very entertaining to see because i i am entertained by drummers at almost every show I go to. And I'm sure that bass player doesn't do what a lot of bass players do, which is just stand in one place. And no, he's, he's yeah. Like I said, I watched a couple music videos and they, they do have some energy. They are young dudes, but yeah, I, I just, to your point, I think I would just be, I, I'm listening to this in headphones and computer speakers and in my car. I can't imagine listening at 120 decibels in a nightclub. Like, that's right. just, oh, that sounds terrifying. Right. <laughs> so, Monster, 
what's new. Hey, hey, good looking. Not much. Very little. <laughs> the best that I can say is throwing rocks. Telling me how you need it so. Raising hearts and minds in a merry go round. And golden without you. Cause I don't ever That's only because they have a little bit more of a mid-tempo bounce to them, but it's a stretch at that. Very, very unnew on this one. Yeah. Danger, what's cooking? This album to an extent. And so sure. where where we've talked about this album is a lot of the same, and it kind of maintains the same, like, nervous intensity i guess i don't know uh, anxiety <laughs> choose your word as you will but it's like it it's just all there and it's great background music i will say that this is a great background album overall but at a certain point in cooking i always had to stop it because it was like i had to like my add was just too off the charts with this just franticness happening in the background. I don't, I don't even have ADD. And yeah, there are parts where I had to like pause it to just like think straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is an ADD fever dream. And I don't, the fever nightmare, let's put it that way. So yeah, I, it's good. Like the whole thing is good to an extent. You know, there's not a single track I would pick out. If I were to say that there was anything that actually hurts it as far as cooking is throwing rocks. <laughs> Telling me how you need it so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Whatever you say, because it's distracting with its incredible greatness. It's 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 usually that point where I was like, hold on, I just stop you. And <laughs> so we are going to do more Andreas albums, and I'm going to make you love him whether you like it or not. You're going to make me listen to him. That's that's what that is. So you want to give us your closing statement? Sure. This is a tough one for me because I feel like I should like it way more than I do. All the elements are there. Lots of bounce and groove, solid pop vocals, funky bass, and plenty of exciting guitar licks. The problem is it's all happening at the same time for the whole time. The guitars are always busy. The vocals are always being belted. The drums are always doing tons of fills. And for as funky and locked in as the bass is, I don't feel like it's in the mix right. When you put it all together for 40 minutes straight, it just kind of turns into a big high-pitched mush. It's not to say I don't really enjoy a lot of this record. There are just little things that keep it from being great. The songwriting, for the most part, is on point, but a few of the songs do fall a little flat. There's also something going on in the mix I struggle with. There isn't enough low rumble by the time and by the time the record is over, my ears feel like they need a break from the barrage of tinny sounding guitars and high pitch vocals. The only reason I sound so negative because I really wanted to love this and I just can't quite get there. As it is, it's a fun listen and there are a couple songs on here that I will definitely revisit from time to time. And any album with a feature from Andreas gets an extra point in my book. One to ten. I'm gonna go with a six point three. Okay, it's really interesting that you picked a six point three on that. So all right. Mine mine is not quite as long as yours. But okay. 
I I had because I'm really conflicted, man. Yeah, yeah. I was really conflicted too, but it is what it is. If there are any faults on Sunset on this generation, they are hard to find when playing this as a background album at best. The songs blend a little too close together to separate them out, making this a tough listen at times. While this album has a band honing their 80s funk, spackled with pop, and a taste of post-hardcore, this is a fun ride, and it can be tiring. This album may have benefited from a slow jam or two if they were going to stick to 13 tracks. With that, it's hard to deny the record's great nature and replayability. A marionette combines big hooks, retro vibes, and enchanting vocals, but I need them to find the throttle and not just for the middle of a song. I gave this a 6.5. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, That's funny. Yep. I almost I gave... Say... Go on. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I almost gave this a 7, but then I had to just... I, I couldn't quite couldn't quite put it there. Okay. I felt the same way. So I started at a 6.9, and then I kept listening. And I kept going down just a little bit more and a little bit more. And a matter of fact, I was set on a 6.4 until we started talking. And then as we are getting to the end, I was like, 6.3. <laughs> Which, yeah. again, like I said, the, the, the reason that my I'm so conflicted is because I want to love it. I want to absolutely love this, and I just can't. All right. Up. So you gave this album... A 6.3, and I gave this a 6.5, which puts it at a 6.4, which actually ties it with Chiodo's Devil at a 6.4, and then puts it just below this Wildlife Ever Blossom at a 6.45. And that puts it at the 14 spot overall. So if you disagree with where we have put this album, if you disagree with the rating that we've given it, please shoot us an email at dangerandsergeantgmail.com or shoot us an email on our Facebook page, the Breakdowns for Breakfast Facebook page, or reach out to us on one of our other social media platforms, Danger and Sarge across all of them, Facebook, X, and Instagram. Monster, what album are we talking about next week? Boy, are we going in a different direction next week. <laughs> Next week, next week, we are discussing Creed's debut album from 1997, My Own Prison. And as you go through your week, don't worry, be happy. <laughs>